Coffee with the Queen. I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. And I'm Rick. Um, and that's Rick. Rick is from Sumatra, and he is the reason we have our great Sumatran coffees, our most of our great Indonesian coffees. So Rick lives and is passionate about coffee. We're excited to have you here today, Rick, to be able to hear more about your history with coffee, about Srijaya, that's that right. again, and about really how your coffee is distinguished from every other Sumatra that people could buy in terms of quality, in terms of passion, really in terms of what you your goals are for your environment that produce this coffee, because it's really clear that you absolutely love them. Could you give us a little background on how you got into coffee and how you decided to start promoting it and selling it to the United States? Definitely. Thank you so much, uh, Nicole and Cindy, for inviting me to this call. It's an honor, definitely, and it's my pleasure to tell the history and what we do, who we are. Coffee is just one of the agricultural products that is growing where we live, in our backyard, front yard, side yard, and <laughs> other yard. And so we are blessed. The way we started as this company, Sri uh, Wijaya, we are a small enterprise. Well, years ago, had the opportunity to introduce some of the beans that was uh, grown by a network of the relatives and some other uh, neighbors to the specialty coffee market in the U.S. Coffee is just one of the agricultural products that is grown in our areas. We have other types of coffees where we also consume more as a domestic market. For the U.S., for the specialty coffee segment, we focus almost exclusively for specialty Arabica. Yeah, we, we get our Arabicas from you. They are fantastic. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Uh, so, Rick, what distinguishes the coffee that we get from you as opposed to other specialty growers? Is there a special quality processes that your farmers go through that distinguishes you? Thank you for that. We are blessed by living in this tropical area where without even realizing we have amazing agricultural crops in our surrounding. So by living over here, we definitely spend more time in taking care of the trees and taking care of the products of the trees. Not only pre-harvest, but also post-harvest. Now this is also important. I have no right to judge the others where we take a good input and we add a consistent and disciplined processes to a good raw material, we generally will get a good output, a good result. So this is where we focus on and we present our products to specialty roasters such as Mills Coffee. A quick question. So you're talking about caring and preserving the trees. How many trees or how many coffee plants would a typical family or small lot have in Sumatra? It's not commercial plants up there. It's really local people tending to their own crops, the groups of families working together to care and tend for the trees and, and the harvest. 
Another very good question. 96 or 95 percent of the coffee that is being produced in this area, uh, the Arabica, is produced by individual family-owned Wow, family-owned five, yeah. So Less than five percent is being produced by large or, or estate, what's it called? Right? Between five trees up to 1,000 trees, individually, family-sized. So to put that yeah. in perspective for people listening, one tree produces a pound of coffee a year, so that's between five and a thousand pounds of coffee per family. Just so people realize that it's really a labor of love. It's not a labor of profit, it's a labor of love <laughs> and passion that, that keeps them growing coffee. The origin of your company was family-based, right? Well, my, my partner and I, two of us still own the company, uh, we do have kind of... Um, incentives and, and mechanism for our other colleagues also. But is it a, a family company? Uh, sort of, to some degree, yes. Although we are working with other farms that is non-family related also right now. So whenever we have a good products, we basically treat all inputs equally the same whether they are family-related or not. If it's a good input product, we will pay a premium price to it, regardless of a family or not. Going back once to when we, I think, first got our, our woolly rhino coffee from you, which is that honey process coffee, you are really passionate about ensuring that farmers received fair or even above-market prices for their coffee so that they could afford to continue to live there and not have to sell their land for commercial development. Is that correct? So this is the same kind of class of coffee that we're talking about. It's really great coffee that you're willing to really pay more for so that people can continue to grow it and they don't need to feel pressured to sell to a, a larger company or farm or state. That's correct. But we are perfect either. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, we're all works in progress. We are a small enterprise, tiny enterprise. Everybody works based on cash. So all transactions are basically cash. Since we are a small or a tiny enterprise, and we thank Mills for understanding and supporting us. I mean, Susan really uh, helps us in going through all these kind of operational, optional details. So we do our transaction in, in cash because the farmers uh, need cash in order to afford their daily needs. There are times when we don't have cash on hand in order to buy coffee since we are a small and tiny enterprise. So we give a heads up to those farmers and say that, hey, you don't have to sell to me because my money is not here anyway. So has the right to sell to anybody. We are not restricting, we are not controlling, we are not strangling anybody from their right to sell to whoever. What we do is, when we know there is a good quality of raw material, we are willing to pay for a good price to it also. Because of that willingness, are there certain families that you work more closely with or that you've kind of developed stronger relationships with over the years? Yes. We basically cultivate, we basically maintain the relationship for years. We believe that the product is already good. We just need to educate 
our surroundings, our neighbors, our friends, our extended families with a proper way on how to cultivate, how to take care of the environment, on how to take care of the trees so that we will get a good and consistent results. This knowledge, is it the things that you've known? I believe it's all sustainable. What you're doing is really to work to preserve the tree, but then also the, the greater environment. Like I know uh, from our past, and our, our Sumatran coffee names, that you really are passionate about the wildlife as well and, and preserving the entire ecosystem. Is this part of what you teach them? So the way I think is simply like this. If I get a good coffee from village A, they are being produced by this community. If you don't take care of the trees, if we don't take care of the soil, if we do slash and burn, for example, yeah. uh, to that environment, will we get another good ripe cherry next year? Perhaps no. So am I being silly over here by not taking care of the environment? I think I am. So if I want to get serious, I need to take care of the environment. I need to think long term. I need to balance between the environment, the society, economical benefits for all parties. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. You're really taking in the entire community. So from the soil to the the trees, the fauna, the floor, the animals, but then also the people. You're looking at this kind of as a whole holistic thing, really from the soil up to the growers, making sure that everyone is essentially sustained and in working for the best possible outcome for their land. Yes, Nicole, I'm not perfect. I'm not an excellent. (laughs) And I should be because we are thinking this in the long term. We want to build a sustainable uh, value chain from the farmers all the way to consumers because I believe human has good intention and consumers are willing to appreciate it and to, to pay for a good product. And they approach you, they approach Mills Coffee. Hey, I want a good coffee. And Mills Coffee produced that good coffee. But Mills Coffee needs some consistent and good level of input of raw material from suppliers. That's where we step in and say, hey, we are not perfect, but we will keep on improving year by year. And the way to improve or the way to sustain year by year, is by taking care of those elements. Definitely. Rick, do you have a yeah. specific example of how you've given back to one of your farms in the local community to help them to be more sustainable? What we do is, number one, right up front by paying an attractive price level to the farmers where they can compare prices and services we provide with the other's guy. We encourage competition because it's good for all of us to be able to check back on how what we do, if we do it correct. But later on, as a more sustainable basis, we emphasize on buying coffees, for example, from areas that do not practice slash and burn. Okay. To educate our neighbors and surroundings, say, we don't like people burning stuff. It's not really a fully law over here, so people can still burn stuff. So we have to approach nicely. Hey, 
it doesn't smell good. I mean, it, it, it ruins the air. Uh, it's, it makes us sick. It makes your family sick. And it ruins the soil. It may be good for a short term, easy money for the short term, but for the longer term, it's going to be worse. So it's kind of education. So um, that amount of, of man hours and resources that we spend on education with regard to preserving the environment, because we believe that if we maintain a good soil, that is the first step to have a good result of agricultural products. And how to have a good soil? I mean, one of the first steps that we have to do is one-on-one education, a humane approach, a local way approach, and telling them, hey, these big trees, we need them. Why? What for? It holds the soil in place. Whenever there is a heavy rain, you will get a less possibility of a mudslide. And they're really indigenous people, the people that have grown up high up in the mountains. Is that correct? So they're not people that are really coming in from cities or from other agricultural areas, but really people who are native to the land. A wonderful question, Nicole. If you talk about Indonesia, we have 300 to 500 dialects and ethnics and tribes, different tribes. So over the 100 years that we have, at least we can trace back, there have been some migrations purposely designed or happens on its own. So there have been some movement of population from other areas to another areas. Okay. These people that we talk about are less knowledgeable than we are. Yes, and they're um, not like the Americans coming in and setting up a commercial plant. They're really people who, even if not right in that area, really grown up more working with the land and kind of being in touch with their local piece of nature. Yeah, it's, it's similar over here where we work with the people who have been living there for years. But we see also some of the villagers in Sumatra who, whose parents are from the Java Islands, a lot of them. This reminds me of something we had talked about previously. So the methods that you use in processing and growing your coffee, I think you had told me that it's really a work in progress, that you're constantly trying new methods and different methods or methods from other countries. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Most of the mentality that we are facing, even this is what I had also uh, until several years ago, is why do I do things this way? Because my dad, my mom taught me to. Okay, if I go back to my mom and my dad, I mean, well, I mean, how did you arrive at this way of doing things? Because my dad and my mom told me so. Yes, in the so, U.S., uh, we say it's, it's the way we do it that way because it's the way it's always been done. <laughs> we have a similar type of expression in the U.S., which just means we don't change because it, it hasn't broken yet, so we just continue. Yeah, okay, okay, yes. So, and now I learned that, hey, let's play around a little bit. I like to... To have fun. Not necessarily A is best for B. Perhaps C is probably better for B. So that's what I do. So do you have any examples relating to coffee that you'd like to share where you kind of introduce B? Definitely. So a woolly rhino you mentioned is a honey processed coffee. It's very, very uncommon in Sumatra 
five years ago or ten years ago. It didn't exist pretty much. Honey was, if not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. Honey is is known to some degree in Central America, probably yes. also South. So yeah, we right. learn from the specialty roasters throughout your videos, throughout our encounters with you, with Susan, with others, saying that, hey, this is how they do things over there in South America, in Central America. Wow. Okay. In Sumatra, we do gilik basah with Hollywood. Yeah, and that's a very unique process, right? Because the beans were normally retain a lot of moisture throughout the transportation process. My understanding is that that's really what helps them develop that thick, creamy texture and, and lower acidity. Is that that process is they retain up to is it fifty percent of the water? Where normally most beans get dried down to about eleven percent, but it's very rainy in Sumatra, so this is the safest and best way to do it. That's correct, and it's different from the honey. Yeah. Where the honey does not involve with any kind of water usage at all. It doesn't involve with washing. Mm-hmm. We do with the honey is just we go up to higher than five thousand feet above sea level uh, oh, wow. in altitude, and then we take the ripe cherry, we depop the ripe cherry, and as a result, we get the coffee beans covered in mucilage, the slippery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's the slippery. little, <laughs> it's a slippery yeah. coating. Yeah, the sticky, sweet, slippery coating. We sun dry them all the way until until it's fully fully dried. It's eleven percent moisture content, and then we put the husk. So it's a honey with dry dry hulling. It's completely different from wet hulling uh, traditionally done in Sumatra. So this is to answer you. Thank you for asking such a very good question. This is an example of applying uh, another method. The mandaling that we received from you is incredibly popular here. And then the woolly rhino is also incredibly popular. And they're so different, which is interesting because with the wet processing, we tend to get more of those deep chocolate and peppery notes. And then adding that sweet honey, it's a, it's a natural honey flavor that kind of brings out like black and plum and a real nice sweetness, but it's so different than the, say, the mandaling, which has those strong peppery notes, which we get with the wet processing. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And for anybody who hasn't tried the woolly rhino, I would say try it. Even if you're not typically a Sumatran drinker, it tastes so different, yet you know it's Sumatran. Uh, yeah, thank you, Nicole and uh, Cindy. We are living in the era where coffee is not only black and thick. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like a wine now. I mean, it's elevated into okay. an art form. The consumers are more appreciating of the product, more supportive, more eager to learn about the product, and more demanding to get different kind of uh, taste profiles. That's probably also because you put so much work into the quality of the coffee that people can taste the difference. Where you know, maybe twenty, thirty years ago. You really couldn't taste those unique differences between regions or even between lots. But now, because, you know, people like you have invested so much time and effort into training and educating people into identifying what is top quality, consumers now can really begin to taste that difference. They don't need to be experts or roasters to know those nuanced differences. It really shines through in the taste and the texture of the coffee. 
and I would even expand on that and say it's really a testament to the quality assurance that you do on the beans. Is there anything new that you have going on right now in the works that you don't need to share it if it's a surprise? I don't want to spoil a surprise. I like surprises. Is there anything you'd like to share that you're working on now? Yeah. Uh, as far as new techniques, uh, we have basically a dozen different of techniques throughout the world right now. So I, I don't know more techniques other than those uh, in terms of uh, starting from the uh, unique end of wet hauling, gilling basa, all the way to washing, fully washed, and then honey, and then natural, and now uh, a very recent spike in awareness and hype over here in Southeast Asia. It's what's called wine coffee. What? Wine oh, heard coffee? That. <laughs> oh, can you expand on that? I don't even know anything about that. I don't know anything about that either. This is new to me. It's basically on a very selected ripe cherry where we do a long period of anaerobic fermentation. Without oxygen. Without oxygen. What we do is basically similar to natural, but this is a bit slower. We want to absorb the ripe cherry taste, the coffee fruit taste, into the inside the coffee. So that's what we are trying to do. I know that the coffee cherry is often called cascara. They make tea out of it and other juices out of it. It is relatively sweet because it's a cherry. So is it kind yes. of a fusion between those two flavors, between coffee and the cherry? This is the, the side effect, the negative effect of doing this thing. The cascara, it doesn't taste at all because we suck it up okay. all the way into the yeah, no, so that's great. That, so that, that bean, the actual the seed would be absorbing all of those flavors from it, which I've never had coffee. You're right. I've never had anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, but again, we are experimenting as how many days of the duration we seal the, the, the coffee beans in mm-hmm. an environment. And at what intervals of duration do we, if we don't have the one-way valve, we have to do manually by releasing the, the gas built up. Are you working on specific beans from a specific region or are you practicing pretty much over all of your areas? This is very uh, experimental phase. And so we do some in higher altitude in Java. We do some in higher altitude in Sumatra also. Again, we focus on, on the areas where we have been working with the farmers for years. Mm-hmm. And because we will also believe in the consistency of the input and we believe in the specific taste profile of that coffee from that area. Therefore, if we want to display a fruity notes of the coffee trees, then we decided we do either the honey or we go through the more extreme anaerobic fermentation process. It is not a guaranteed success yet. It's still a long way to go. Probably we'll see a a better result in 2021 or 2022. This would be very interesting to try. Yeah, I, I just released the very initial alpha uh, or beta version of mm-hmm. this project back to your mom a few months ago. Oh, um, she told that, me. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been told about this. <laughs> I'm going to ask her about yeah. this when I get off this call. That's really interesting. People are used to the honey, and now this is the extreme. Sometimes it takes a job to just put the anaerobic on its own. 
But if you plan, this is what some of the roasters do, the 70, 40, 60 plan, mm -hmm. that will have some spark to it, but not too extreme that it overwhelms the coffee taste itself. Got it. Some people still want to have coffee instead of, what is this? This is sweet juice. <laughs> and, uh, so that's why we try to be uh, a little bit not too vulgar. Got it. So this has been really interesting, Rick. I have to say, this has been fascinating. I know it's getting late for you there. We are on a multinational call, three continents represented. <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to mention about your coffee or Sumatran coffee that you'd really love to share? Sure. What we do over here will not sustain without the help, the support of specialty roasters, in this case, Mills Coffee. We can always try to experiment and present, but at the end of the day, it takes also Mills Coffee and team, this is what we have been doing also by having this call, in order to educate, to present to the uh, consumers that we have this kind of new techniques, new taste profile coming up to you and creates some interest from the consumers so it's not a one-man show it's not rick <laughs> myself i have only two arms two legs and and one hat it's a teamwork and to me the way i see a community i don't see a neighbor he or she has to live next to me i think i see a much bigger than that i see a neighbor being including cindy and nicole or although you are 12,000 miles away from where I am. What you do over there impact us. Where we can afford our rice plate because you are doing what you are doing today. I would add that the attention to detail and quality of your product gives us the wonderful drink that we take every morning and connects us to you as part of our family. And when I looked up Sri Vijaya, I don't know if I said that correctly, but when I looked it up and the Sanskrit meaning is shining excellence and it shows through with your attention to detail and your fantastic products. Thank you so much, Nicole. We, we are not excellent. Uh, at least we are trying to be better year after year. We can do that because you are appreciating of what we do. <laughs> well, we love what you do. So thank you, Rick, for joining us and for sharing all this great information and telling us more about your, your coffee and your passion for coffee, it's history, the people. And then for everyone listening, please note that for the month of July, our Sumatras will be our monthly special. It'll be 20% off, and we want everyone who is interested or who loves Sumatra to be able to try the extraordinary coffee that Rick brings to us, because it really is it's phenomenal. And uh, we look forward to another call like this. I thank you for inviting me. Hey, well, thank you, Rick. Let's have a follow-up call. And thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Nicole and Rick. Thank you, Europe and in New York City. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us. To learn more about our great Sumatran coffees, please visit our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, or our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. To learn more about our coffees or to purchase coffee, please visit thequeenbean.com. And if you have any feedback on today's episode, we'd love to hear it. So please uh, email us at info at thequeenbee.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Queen Bean Coffee. Thank you. Thanks. See you next time. <laughs>